Welcome to Worship Equals Life, where we explore the nuts and bolts of worship ministry in today's church, the technological, the visual, the musical, and the spiritual. Here's your host, Judd Cossum. I'm going to kind of cover some theories, some philosophy of, you know, my philosophy of, of visual media uh, first, and then get into some more nuts and bolts, and hopefully I want to plan to have time for your questions too. So... Um, the first thing we're going to talk about is sort of the role of visual media in a worship setting. So, I mean, what do you guys see um, as that role? What do you What do you think? Any ideas? Well, the visual allows people to uh, a different element to to worship. You know, some people are visual learners, some people are auditive. You know, some people are hands on, uh, so it appeals to all types of learning because. That's what worship is. It's not just what you give, but what you take in. Right. I'm not sure if there's more. So I can hear a little bit. Anything else? What else do you guys think? And I'm really interested. I want to, you know, I want to hear from you. I want to learn from you too, because I'm not, I'm not the only expert, right? <laughs> no, I think very nuts and bolts. Um, we take advantage of putting the words up on the screen. Yeah. So that people can sing along. Yeah, I think mean, that's the critical piece of what I think we want to have happen. Yeah, well, and I think uh, you know we used to have hymnals, and a lot of churches still do, um, and we still have some at our church. Uh, but that becomes cost prohibitive at some point, you know, to make sure that you have enough actual printed paper, printed books for everybody to use. And this stuff is uh, expensive at the outset, but over the long haul, um, it really works. Much better. I don't know why that uh, just went away. <laughs> uh, but over the long haul, it's it's, the, it's more cost effective this way to use the technology um, because you can deliver the information to more people at one time. So, well, sort of my thoughts on this are um, that the role of, of visual media in worship is to help create an environment, and that really goes back to my whole philosophy of worship, honestly, and that's that um, you can't, you know, we as worship leaders, we can't make people worship. I mean, I'm a worship pastor, so media is, is just part of my job. Um, we can't make people worship. You know, we can uh, we can give them an opportunity to, but we can't make them. But I'll get into that a little more later. Um, so this is how I want you, oh, I skipped one of my slides already. This is how people who do this should think of themselves your visual worship leaders. You know, if you're sitting behind a computer running a presentation software during the worship service, you are visual worship leaders. So what is a worship leader? And this is kind of back to my worship philosophy. You can't make people worship, but there's two things that you can do. And the first is that you can and should respond to God with worship. I mean, you should be a worshiper, right? That's the most, that is the most important thing, uh, that a worship leader can do. Um, and, you know, Phil gave a great definition of worship. You know, I, I use a, a simpler one typically when I'm talking about this kind of stuff, and that is just that, um, that worship is our response to God's revelation of himself. And what Phil said was great, and I don't think those two uh, contradict each other at all. I think mine is just a, you know, more condensed version, right? Um, so we can and should respond to God with worship, which I actually have a little list up here if you want to write it down. And the second one is 
that we, and this was long, we can and should speak, sing, play, create, use technology, whatever we're doing, in such a way that the people we hope to lead receive every opportunity to respond to God with worship. So we want to respond to God with worship, and we want to create an environment that allows other people the opportunity to do the same thing. And that is not just about the people who are on the platform, on the stage, playing music. That's about that's about the guys and gals sitting behind a computer or behind a whiteboard or, or behind a soundboard. You know, you're helping create that environment, so you are a visual or uh, auditory worship leader, right? Um, so what is a visual worship leader? A visual worship leader oversees, curates, and prepares the visuals that you use in a worship service. Um, so I could get into all the details of what all of that means, but it essentially means that you're, you know, the visual worship leader is whoever is in charge of collecting all of those visuals. I mean, you got to go out and find them, right, of keeping your library managed, managed and manageable. Because <laughs> one, one of the first things that happens, my screensaver keeps cutting on, and uh, that's not good. Um, because this is not my usual system, I apologize. That's going to be on the podcast. <laughs> Judd messed up his own uh, presentation. Um, so where was I? So, you, you know, there's all of that that goes into it. Just manage it. Because that, that library, you know, if you keep collecting stuff, can get unmanageable. You know, and so somebody has to manage it. And somebody's got to prepare it for use on Sunday morning. Um, listen, in a very real way person running this visual media, running lights, uh, running sound too, you shape the direction of the service. There, in fact, um, there will be a point, there will be points in the service where you have more control over the flow of worship than anybody on the platform does, right? Because what people are seeing is under, you know, it's under your control, unless your computer really freaks out. Like mine is legend in here. So you shape the direction of the service and listen on a nuts and bolts level. You help everybody know where they should be. You know, you're, you're, the congregation wants to know, hey, what am I supposed to sing right now? <laughs> and you show them. And the band uh, or, or whoever your worship leaders are, what am I supposed to sing next? You know, that you're helping them. You're helping them to know where they are. And if you don't go at the appropriate time, you know, that can cause a little bit of chaos. Too. So as I said, you know, at times you have greater influence on the environment of worship than anybody else does. Um, but also choices you make impact the flow of, of the flow and the experience of the service in very important, very significant ways. So you kind of have to be vigilant, you know, which may sound like a really strong word to use in this kind of setting, but you do. You have to be vigilant. You have to always be watching, always be learning, always be listening to what's going on, so that you can respond appropriately. So another part of the role of a worship of a visual worship leader is to to serve the word. Um, the role of visual media and worship. Other. Um, so really quickly, uh, and I'll share the titles of these books again at the end. But there's this book here called The Worship Architect by Constance, Constance Cherry that is huge. It's awesome. I mean, it's really nuts and bolts planning worship, putting together worship service. I would encourage anybody involved in leading worship to check it out. It's kind of textbooky, you know, so uh, it's a little more uh, um, seminary student, <laughs> but but it's a very good book. It's a very good book with a lot of great information. And one of the things that she shares in this book is uh, 
is the sort of four load-bearing walls of a worship service. Okay, and I, I don't have these up here, but I'm just going to run through them real, real quick. And those are the gathering, the word, the table or response, and then the sending. And so the word is kind of that key one. That's what everything's kind of focused in on. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you plan your service based on the theme of the sermon necessarily. Um, but it means that you're drawing, the whole point is to draw people into the preaching of God's word and then send them away as they move out from that with a response and, you know, send them out remembering and responding to and living by that word that was preached today. So the whole point of what you're doing is to be focused on the word. And here's something important to remember, message over media. Okay. Don't do something just because it looks cool. Right. I mean, and I've been some places where like, oh, this looks really awesome. I'm going to throw this up here. And it's like, you're blinding me, you know, or there's too much going on. Or why is there, it's Memorial Day. So maybe that's why you have a picture of a bald eagle in front of an American flag behind every worship song. Okay. <laughs> exactly. You can laugh at that. That's fine. Um, I've seen, I've actually seen that happen. Like, I, like every song. Because I guess it was a patriotic holiday weekend, but you're singing about Jesus and there's pictures of American flags and things. Not really appropriate. They're prob- they're, you, you can use that kind of thing. Maybe. But not all the time. Not behind every song. Um, oh, I scrolled down too far on my iPad. So message over media. You know, Here's an example of, of what I mean that we sort of structure our visuals at, at Allen Memorial, that's where I'm from, uh, Allen Memorial Baptist Church in Salisbury. We kind of structure our visuals around, based on the sermon. So, so our pastor is doing a sermon series, and we design visuals to go with that, um, like a graphic package that's sort of the, the background, the title, and everything that goes along with his sermon. And then we'll take those colors, and we'll take the feel of that graphic, and we'll use that to inform... Um, everything that's going on visually in the service. So we'll kind of, we'll use that to inform everything that's going on visually in the service, meaning, um, you know, all of our background slides, we'll kind of keep within a color family uh, throughout the music. Um, we'll kind of keep uh, the lighting within a color family. Now we're very limited in our, in our lighting and some of you guys may be more limited, but we, we can't change a lot of things. Um, with color and that kind of thing. So we, we pick a color palette and we kind of go with it for however many weeks we're doing a particular sermon series, you know. And that's just an example. You don't have to do it exactly that way. That's the way we've chosen to sort of do it. Um, but that's because we want everything to point to the word eventually, right? So, message over media. And the truth of the matter is that the band... The worship leaders, the pastor on stage, the pastor, they can't do their job without you doing your job well, right? Because they depend on you for direction. And it's not a job that you can do without preparation. You know, you have to you have to prepare. I mean, I encourage my media team to uh, listen to the music, you know, practice the music the same way the band does. Um, you know, maybe not sit down with a pro presenter and clip through the song, but know where the parts of the song change and, and know where know what's coming. Um, and so I try to provide, well, I do provide everybody with, with the audio for every song that we're doing. And we may not exactly follow the arrangement every Sunday, but we give it to everybody so that they know 
the feel and the flow of the songs. Um, and our and our production team, we call them production team at our church, uh, they're involved in putting together the pastor's sermon presentation for Sunday morning. So they know kind of, they have an idea of where he's going to go on Sunday before it even happens. So now I'm going to get into some general pointers. So I actually do want to be right here. I like my videos, so I'm going to put it back up. So we're going to talk about backgrounds. Um, and basically what I'm going to talk about is backgrounds and text, and then I'm going to do a little bit on lighting, and then I'm going to let you guys ask some questions. We should have time for that. Um, so the first thing with backgrounds is not too many colors. Like, I might use this one, but sparingly, because um, it kind of does have a lot of colors, but because it can get distracting. And it can make, you got to think about things like, you know, it can get distracting, if there's too much going on, like mentally that's distracting, right? Visually it can be distracting if you have people who can't see as well as some other people, you know, um, older folks that may not be able to see as well. If you got too much going on up there, even if you even if you feel like your text is very bright and clear over that background, they may have a harder time seeing it. So not too many colors, not too much motion. Like there's some really cool video backgrounds out there that just have tons of stuff going on and that visually is gonna distract people from what you want to communicate to them, which are the words on the screen, okay? Uh, the words on the screen are the most important part of this. The visuals just create a feeling. They're, they're, they help create the environment, but you don't want the visuals, the motion, or the colors to overpower the words. And you don't want too many changes either. Let me, go, let me backtrack just a little bit. Not too many colors, not too much motion. You've got to, it, you may have a great, huge library of, of videos that you use, you've got to be willing to delete some stuff that you think is really cool. Um, you've got to be able to sit back and objectively say, there's too much, it's really cool, I like it, but there's too much going on. And you gotta be willing to get rid of some of that stuff. And then not too many changes. And what I mean by not too many changes is, uh, you know, don't put a different background behind every song. You know, uh, I would even discourage you. I would discourage you from putting more than one background in a song unless you had a specific reason for doing that, right? Because you want things to flow. You want there to be, and, and this is really this is kind of ethereal. You know, this is kind of it's not real. Uh, it's not real uh, uh, concrete. You know, you to to talk about these things. There's a certain way that all these things, you know, make people feel, and you want to make sure that the feeling and sort of the the psychological whatever <laughs> you like my my big words there. Um, it, the, everything just needs to flow, so you can change backgrounds, and, that, and there's nothing wrong with that. I really don't know why that keeps cutting off. Um, there's nothing wrong with, with with changing backgrounds. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But you want things to flow. So you can have, like, think about your sections of, of your service. Everybody's service kind of breaks up into different sections. You know, if you um, think about it in terms of those four walls, you know, you're going from the gathering, which is kind of the call to worship. You know, you might have one background there. And then um, in, the, in the segment of your service that's really drawing us into the word, you have another background there behind more than, you know, a couple of songs leading into the sermon and then the end of the service and your and your response and your sending you have some very similar backgrounds I mean we try to keep everything as I said in the same color family um, 
but and we also you know we'll keep for the bulk of our worship we'll keep one background up there behind those songs um, and, and I think that's preferable to changing all the time because it can feel disruptive to people especially if those if those backgrounds are very different you know what I mean um, okay so that's what I have to say about that um, oh Backtrack. No, that's not all I have to say about that. <laughs> so every song doesn't have to have a different background, and also that you can say the same thing about your sermon presentation. Um, and I want to point this out because I've been in some situations where, uh, you know, a volunteer was doing uh, the pastor's sermon presentation and just going nuts, in my opinion, putting different backgrounds all over the place. Um, you know, if the pastor wants to have a photo in his message. Uh, using that as just putting it on the slide as a background image. That's really easy to do in ProPresenter. That's easier than putting a foreground image on in ProPresenter, so they would do that a lot in that, in that setting. Um, but I would encourage you not to do that. I would encourage you to have the same background all the way through a sermon, and if you have a, an image that the pastor wants to show, make that a foreground image so that the background is still there. It provides some continuity. It just provides some continuity. Uh, which and continuity uh, engenders uh, good communication because that's in the end that's what we're talking about we're talking about communication text okay this is really easy stuff it has to be readable or legible however you want to say that and uh, there are a few things to think about there you know you've got to think about the size of your font and, and, um, and the distance that people are sitting from your screens Right, people have to be able to read it, and it's not just about the size either. Um, you know, like here, let me do this, let me do this just because. So, you'll notice that I have white text, I always use white text. I, I hate to use black text because black text disappears, even if you, and if you've got it on like a lighter colored background, it just looks like it looks like a printed page. Um, and so, it's, to me. And this may be just a personal thing. The white text is much more dynamic, okay? Um, and it's and it's brighter. It just comes out brighter. So you know, you're talking about a projector generally, and it's or, or even a television screen. It's it's light that's creating this picture that you're looking at. So white text is going to be brighter, and in general, it's easier to read. I just like white text better. But I also put a dark outline on it, and I'll do that almost regardless of the background. Uh, because that makes it pop out a little bit more, makes it more readable, more legible. Um, you know, think about using a common font size and a common font and size for all of your songs. Certainly in the context of one worship service, don't change the fonts and the sizes of the fonts in a song, um, in different songs. Just keep the same font and the same size throughout your songs because again that's about flow that's just about you know things remaining uh, that's about providing continuity throughout the service um, probably use a slightly smaller font size for this for the sermon for the message um, but still the same basic principle keep a keep a consistent font and size uh, throughout there um, you know, create a style that you think looks good, but then step back um, and make sure that you can read it. You know, you want it to look good, so use your judgment, use your creativity on that, but make sure people can read it. 
you know, if they can't, then it's not doing its job. Um, there's some other stuff here uh, that I would just uh, sort of caution you about. You know, uh, this one guy that I talked to said, uh, you know, care for orphans and widows. And uh, do you know what an orphan is in the context of text? It's uh, like when you have lines of text and then there's just one word on the last line all by itself. Um, it just flows better. It looks better when you don't have that, you know. And so, you know, just think about things like that. Um, punctuation and phrasing. Okay, this may sound crazy to some of you. I do not put punctuation on any song lyric slides. Any. Um, except in the case of a question or quotes. Because one of the things you've got to be careful of is having too much stuff. Just like we talk about too, much, too many changes, uh, too many colors, too much motion. One of the things you want to be careful of is having too much of anything. So you don't want to have too much text on a slide, which I'll get into in a second. But you also, you know, anytime you have random punctuation like commas at the end of lines, that's really just, it doesn't help in this context to have a comma at the end of a line. You know, just have your line break into your next line. No, you don't have to put, you don't have to leave the comma there just because the comma was in the original text, right? Um, because visually it just creates one more thing for people to look at and so it, and it, crowds, the, it crowds the visual, right? Um, I mean, it's poetry, right? You're talking about songs, so it's poetry. And so punctuation and uh, and phrasing and all that don't really, oh, punctuation doesn't really matter as much in, in poetry, right? Um, and rules of proper sentence structure don't really come into play. Don't worry about that. You know, don't worry about capitalizing all the right stuff or, or not. Um, I typically will capitalize the first word at the beginning of the line. A lot of people don't. I mean, if you go to... Uh, I've been to the Passion Conference or National Worship Leader Conference, that kind of thing, and, and the guys running that media, uh, they, they will a lot of times just everything is lowercase unless it's like the name of God or Jesus or, uh, you know, some reference to God, you know, they'll capitalize that. But, but, I mean, that's really, you know, just something to think about. Do you have questions, comments, suggestions for future episodes? Angry rants? Okay, not the angry rants part, but we want to hear from you. You can find Judd Cossum on Facebook. His Twitter handle is at Judd K Music. His blog is juddcossum.wordpress.com. His website is juddkmusic.com. And you can email us at podcast at juddkmusic.com. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Let's keep striving together to live the worshiping life. Mm-hmm.